Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast with the listeners in more than 100 countries. My name is Hana Lee. I am president and founder of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning global PR agency specialized in hospitality and travel. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, editor-in-chief of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning co-author of The Japanese Hour of the Cocktail, and a food and beverage writer. Helping the community has always been part of our agency's mission. We understand that a lot of business owners, bartenders, chefs, sommeliers, and others might not have the resources to hire a PR agency. So we created our podcast so that our listeners can get to know leading reporters and writers and start building relationships. Each week, our media guests from around the globe share their practical advice on how hospitality and travel professionals can be spotlighted in their stories. In fact, one of our loyal listeners got featured in the New York Times after listening to our podcast and following our media guests' tips. So, you could be next. Also, please send your favorite pitching tips from the episode to hello at hanaleecommunications.com for a chance to win a copy of our agency's book, The Japanese Art of the Cocktail. And now, moving on to the show. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Joelle Gargiulo, an Emmy Award-winning reporter, producer, and host for WNBC's New York Live and NBC's Today Show. Joelle covers everything from human interest to entertainment, food to female empowerment, and small business to pop culture. Hi, Joelle. Welcome to the show. So great to see you. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We found it very interesting that you started in accounting and finance. You were doing really well. So what made you leave that world to get into broadcast journalism? What made me leave Excel spreadsheets and auditing Fortune 500 companies to now cover the best of New York City? <laughs> Definitely not the money. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, no. So I took the safe route, right? So the safe thing to do, I was excellent at math. Like I always excelled. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be an accountant. Great. Okay. And I'm now I'm doing finance for New Line Cinema. New Line, after a couple of years, they wound up shutting down their entire New York office. And it was the biggest blessing under the sun because I always had quiet little dreams of pursuing this TV career, this TV journey. And it took me getting you know, a severance package and being laid off to be like, well, you know what? Let's just try it. So I signed up for a four-week course. I extended to eight weeks, to a semester, to a year. I learned every single thing about shooting, producing, editing, like the whole entire thing, not just the part in front of the camera. Um, and I fell in love with it. And so I had an opportunity. I had the first three parts of the CPA exam passed and I needed to either take the fourth part of the CPA exam or go on a job interview that I got at NBC. And I to work on my reel and take the job interview. And I remember my boss, Beth O'Connell, my first boss at NBC saying to me, know what, Joelle, like, she was like 67% of it is personality. And I was like, great, because I think I bombed that writing test. Um, but I wound up getting a job and have hustled ever since. And, and, and now I love 
what I do. Well, that was a great decision. So we know that you get this question a lot, but we have to ask it since I know our listeners will find it very interesting. So what was it like having it start all over again in a new field? And how did you get to the top? Um, I wish I would tell you that it was scary, but it wasn't scary. Also, keep in mind, I was young. And I think that there's something in us when we're young that we all need to tap into as a, like grown up adults or whatever you want to call us. Um, I had no fear. Um, but I just I hustled. I hustled and was kind to along the way. So my given hours were 1.30 to 9.30. I, I, my first job was doing cell phone video before people had iPhones. So 9.30, I was on the job. I was doing my job like 500% I was giving it. But in the morning, I would take a camera out and I would go shoot my own stories. And then at 9.30 or whenever they would let me off the clock, I would then edit my own stories. And I kept doing this. So I was like, working on my craft, working on my craft. And then I would look like, okay, well, where else are there opportunities? So sure, I'm doing for cell phones, which I think maybe my parents saw and that was it. Um, but then it was, okay, where are their opportunities and are they not doing? And I always got a way to get in kind of through a back door, if that makes any sense. So I quickly developed a reputation as one of the hardest workers and someone who you could just be like, hey, something canceled. Do you have anything for us? I'm like, well, actually, I just did this story. Here you go. Amazing. Hustle, hard work. That's what it is. Uh, as you mentioned, you do your own reporting, producing, writing, shooting, and editing your own stories. Is this fairly common in broadcast journalism? When I got into the business, so they were calling us DJs, and then that was not common. And people didn't like us, right? Because you have unions, you have professional camera people, you have professional, you have all of these people who like each of these individually is one of their jobs. And then it's like, oh, hi, who's this kid coming in saying they'll do all jobs at once? So it was not common. However, today it is common, but, but it's not, you know, necessarily the way that you think. What we do on our cell phones is just as important, right? And what do I mean by that? Now, see, like when I got into this, you needed me, right? You guys, you needed somebody like me to put your stuff on TV. Now, social media has democratized everything. So I believe that everybody should have those skills, but maybe they just don't look the same, right? Like you can, you can reach so many people. You can, you can reach your, your clients, target audience, uh, probably on social media, just as good as if you were doing something on broadcast. So on a regular basis, what are the topics that you cover? So it kind of depends on the show. So right now we have like my own personal social media, which I'm leaning into more. Um, and then we have my on-air work at NBC New York, New York Live, and then my work at the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna. So for, for Hoda and Jenna, I do a combination of things. I'll do human interest stories. I do feel-good stories. And I'm, I fill in and do the entertainment segment on Scoop. And then, and then packages, like traditional packages that you would see. And then... New York Live. So NBC New York, New York Live. So this is kind of like the sexy show within NBC New York. This is where we basically cover the best of New York City. And that means the restaurant industry. That means broad. That means entertainment. That means small businesses. That means, you know, the things that make New York, New York. We do go to the tri-state area as well. I like, And it goes everywhere from red carpets and movie premieres to you know, this like little hidden gem that nobody knows about. Like that, that job is, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. 
And we have a pleasure working with you twice for New York Live. And one of them is Cadence and Chef Chinari, which she's the best. She is the best. And you are actually one of the first journalists to identify her amazing talent, you know, when she opened Cadence as a vegan soul food restaurant in the East Village. As I'm sure, you know, you know, she earned a James Beard nomination. Uh, Cadence also made it to the best new restaurants list of Esquire and the New York Times. So, you know, what you do has enormous impact. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate that you saw the story in her. We thank you for really identifying her as a person, but also her genuine story. Can I, can I just like lift the veil on this for a second? Because you're saying thank you to me, but it's really thank you to you guys. And here's why. So the way that it was pitched, you guys pitched me her story. So you gave me so much information in that pitch where I was like, oh, okay. Oh, great. Here's this, here's that, here's that. I was able to take your pitch boil it down to a couple of lines and send that for approval. No brainer. But it's also a lesson for people who maybe can't afford, you know, to hire their own PR. I always say lead with story. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there, there must be countless stories out there, you know, of very deserving people doing interesting things that merit your attention. So what's your criteria for choosing the ones that you spotlight? I, can I tell you, I really think actually that timing has so much to do with everything. So, you know, like, listen, even just thinking about, I'm, I'm looking down at my phone right now, my inbox has 152,865 unread emails. And I've just been like home deleting and deleting and deleting. So one, you have to know who you're talking to, right? So the way that you're going to pitch yourself is it's going to be different depending on 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 who or what outlet or what medium you're you're trying to attract. So for me, like, listen, I I love a feel good story. I love I love a business with a backstory. But I also, you know, am a sweets person, and I love this. I love that. But what people have to understand is it's it's usually not just a one stop. You, I still have to get stuff approved now. Every show's different. So some shows that I've worked on, it's like it's, there's me and then there's one more approval. I've worked on other shows where it's me, a level of approval, a level of approval, and a level of approval. So just keep in mind for everybody who you are reaching out to, you know, for a potential story, they still need to convince somebody else of that. When you can communicate what you are all about in the most effective manner, like your chances of winding up, you know, doing a story with somebody like me are magnified. So you talk about what you wish you do, but then are there a few things that you can say, don't do this thing because I'm not going to do it for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it all to you. So here we go. So, you know, pitching like a producer, pitching to get noticed. The first thing that you need to do, if somebody wants to be featured, you need to identify what outlets would you be a good fit for? What do I mean by that? Okay. Stop thinking about yourself and flip the switch. Where can your expertise be of service to an audience, right? So let, let's just say like, I'm an expert mixologist, okay? And I want to be featured in the media, in any different type of media. Okay. So now what you need to start doing is you need to identify what shows would have somebody, you know, like you or like your criteria actually on, right? Don't start pitching the nightly news shows. Those are straight news. They're not going to have somebody like you on, okay? 
Now, is there something that you can piggyback off of? Ah, well, hold on a second. I have these skills. Well, wait a second. People are talking about dry January. People are talking about dry. Okay, maybe I could figure out how to make dry versions of these drinks and start pitching morning shows. You know, if if you're going to do something really light, don't pitch this the hard news shows. If you have really hard news, don't pitch the light shows. You have to do your research. Once you identify where you would be a good fit for, now start reading and start watching. See what they actually do types of stories they do. Are they doing them live in a studio? Are they doing them remote? If they're print, are, are there listicles of things? Like if, if you want to be in a certain magazine, start reading the headlines. How can you help that outlet with what you have to offer? And then it's knowing who to contact and how to write a pitch. And writing a pitch, it's like, we don't have enough time to talk about all of that, but it, it's an art and it, and it takes a while. And everybody has a different preference, right? So like for me, I like having either story idea or pitch in my subject because on days when I have to come up with shoots and I have 150,000 unread emails, I could search the word pitch and I could, oh, okay, I have these pitches, right? And then also if somebody who you are specifically reaching out to, if they have a public social media profile, comment here, like there, you know, not in an aggressive way, but in a way where it's like, oh, all of a sudden, if they see your name pop up in their email, now they recognize you from that person who has supportive things to say. So that's just like, you know, like right off the bat things that you could start doing. What not to do. Do not send a generic note to everybody, right? Everybody has a different beat and everybody has a different type of thing that they're looking for. So one size does not fit all. Make sure that you personalize it. Use my name. So if it's a show they're pitching, get the show name right. I always like to say the first two lines, make it personal real quick. You know, like, I hi, Joelle. Hi, you know, hi, Hannah. Hi, Michael. First, let me say, I love the piece that you all did on blank. Blah, 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 blah. Great. Reaching out with a story idea. Don't be too generic. And then I think also like, don't leave any questions unanswered. So they do like it, but we don't have your phone number. We don't have a website. We don't have your social media. If somebody needs to leave that email and start searching for stuff, it's just not going to happen because you don't really have enough time for that. Also, do not just send a press release. Now you can attach a press release, right? You know, if it's, if it's somewhere where you need to show a picture, put a picture, you know, cert, we get nervous about certain things because you're like, wait a second, if like like a video attachment, we get nervous that there might be a virus in there. And g- give me options as well. You know, um, maybe it's March and we're looking for women's month stories, but can you position your idea so it fits in things that I may need or somebody like me needs? Amazing. Well, thank you. That, that is gold. And I know our listeners will be taking a lot of notes. And by the time that they get to you, I know they'll be so professional. That's the goal for us. Oh, I, I, ne- I never worry about that. I always know that will be the case. I mean, I think the reason that we started our podcast is because we understand the power of media coverage and how that can change people's lives or business. And that is why we decided to do this podcast to help those who don't have a PR agency, but who has an incredible individual story. They're just waiting for that moment to get to someone like you so that they can get spotlighted. I mean, it's it's the same way you're giving a platform to people who don't normally have a voice. Yeah. Isn't that such a great thing about what we get to do? 
I think once you can go from self to service, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of awesome. Well, uh, as you know, Double Chicken Please, uh, the bar you featured while they were struggling during the pandemic, they were declared the best bar in North America by the world's 50 best bars in 2022. So your coverage has an enormous impact. No, that's first of all, thank you for saying that because it's so nice to hear. I think I was like a very, it, I've, I've come into my own more recently, but I think like my whole life I've been very insecure. And as a result, it's made me such an empathetic person. So it's so lovely to be in a place in life and in work where I'm not trying to pull anything on anybody. I'm just trying to pull, I'm just trying to get people to see the best, the the best of you. Right. So like the fact that you recognize that is so, it's so wonderful. But also if we're talking about chicken, please, like you did something really smart with them. You did something really smart where it was like, okay, you know, so it's this new place. Nobody's going to bars right now. People are all nervous about getting COVID and we didn't know what life was like then, what life was going to be. then. But you came up with a, a clever thing for them to do where it was these ice cream hot dogs. He was, he was genius. In the middle of winter. It wasn't our idea. It was their idea, but we publicized it. So, so sometimes it's like, well, okay, how do you think outside of the box? Like, what are people not doing? We also know that you love covering red carpet events and you got Oprah's attention one time at a movie premiere because she was so impressed by how well you are prepared for that interview. How do you come up with this thoughtful question? Thank you. Thank you so much. It Honestly, listen, it takes time, right? It, but also, I think in the beginning, when people are starting out, you're, again, you're thinking about yourself. You know, some people are thinking about how can I go viral? How can I this? How can I that? When you start turning it to the other person, you're listening. You're listening for things like it, 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 it is a muscle that you need to constantly be flexing and you, you need to constantly be practicing because listening is hard, right? Like listening is hard. Uh, that might sound silly, but it is. But when you, when you're really paying attention, you're like, oh, okay, wait a second. You pick up on different things. So yes, I always try to ask questions that other people aren't asking, but I also, I've developed things that I'm curious about. Like there's things that I want to know about and, and it's not like something I think somebody else would ask. It's something, I, I, I can't explain it. There's something very authentic in that when you're not trying for the soundbite, you're not trying for this, you're not trying for that. You're just really curious. And it really, it's really cool how it works. So there's a, there's a lot that goes in behind the scenes. And sometimes you have as little as, you know, 30 seconds to make an impression and ask your question. And sometimes sit down with someone for an hour. Um, you know, so it's, it comes with practice. Any tips on how our listeners, like, you know, bartenders, chefs, and, and sommeliers and restaurant owners and bar owners, how they can leverage social media? It is such a beautiful thing right now where, again, social media has democratized so much of media. And, and again, it, 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 it depends on who you are. It depends on how comfortable you are showing up on camera. Um, but I encourage everybody to do it, right? Because whether it's entertaining us, whether it's educating us, you know, 
you tell us what your brand is. It used to be it's so funny, right? You used to send somebody a reel and then maybe they would go to your website and you would this or you would that. But now you go right to someone's social and with video, putting yourself on video, like that like no trust factor, you know, you feel like, oh my gosh, wait, I love what you're doing. Okay. okay. You get invested in someone's journey in their ride. And so then when you do have an opportunity, you're like, wait, I know someone who would be perfect for this, even though you've never even met them, but you just watched them on this thing. So everybody needs to be leveraging it. And I feel like if people don't know where to start, like take us through your day to day. Tell me what people may not know about you, about your brand, about your industry. Like don't worry about being perfect. I think perfect is so boring. All right. So we call our podcast Hospitality Forward. And in your opinion, what organization or person have you recently seen innovating and really moving hospitality and travel forward? Okay, so let's, I mean, first of all, one of your clients, Cadence, right? So let's just talk about what a, what a brilliant, uh, you know, listen, it's, it's a vegan restaurant. That's what it is. But what she managed to do was talk about, right, like Southern roots and Southern cooking, which you don't usually hear in the same sentence as vegan, right? So like, kind of made this interesting to everybody. It, it was so cool because it was weaving her personal story and her family background into every ingredient, into every recipe. And I just thought, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And I need to go back there. Um, and then also I just, you know, I, and it, it's a completely different business model. And it's another vegan place, which I, like, I, I didn't mean to like bring up two vegan places, but I just did this story in this place, Cloudy Donut. And what I really like about it, this is a new vegan donut shop in Brooklyn Heights. I love when a business I, I, I said it like a million times, but when a business has a backstory or they're doing good. So the whole thing about this, like how this business really came to be, um, you know, this owner of the place, he was, he was robbing trains when he was six. Like he was robbing passengers on trains when he was six years old to eat, to survive. He wound up doing um, two years in prison and then, and then another 10 years in prison. Two years of those were in solitary confinement. While this person was in prison, he turned his life around. He starts mentoring all of these inmates, 200 inmates, helps them all get their GED. Before he gets out, he's told, you know what he's told? He's like told, you know what? Like, this is just how it's going to be in life. Like, you're basically never going to be able to do anything. You know, you got to go get a job at, let's just, I don't want to like throw names out there, but like Walmart, right? Something like that. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to take that. So instead he learned everything about your industry. He learned everything about the restaurant industry, about hospitality industry. I mean, like pedal to the metal and he's now building generational wealth. So he worked enough all legit to start buying the physical spaces that he opens up restaurants, bars, and now these, and now Cloudy Donut, a vegan donut place. But what they're also doing there, which I think is so innovative, is, you know, they can only be open, I think, on Saturday, uh, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So they open up this space to other culinary creatives who maybe can't afford a space to use our kitchen to, to grow, to expand, to all of that. So like they're putting their money where their mouth is. And then he'll also employ, you know, people who just get out of prison and try to rehab them. Like it's a lot of work. It's not easy, but so it's like, uh, you know, the headline is vegan donut shop opens in Brooklyn Heights, but wait, you're actually working through these donuts to make the world a better place. What? That's a feel good story. Definitely. 
you know, and it started, it started because of a headline of vegan donut. I was like, vegan donut, this sounds interesting. And then I kept digging, like, wait, what? You know? Uh, for your upcoming family vacation, what country is on your bucket list to visit and why? I want to, I want to go to Italy with my parents. So like, you know, I got engaged. I mean, I'm clearly I'm Italian, but I got engaged in Italy. Um, you know, I had my honeymoon in Italy and then I came home from Sicily and didn't know and got pregnant in Sicily for a five year anniversary. So Italy has like a very special place in my heart, but I really want to go with, with my entire family. I don't know, it's just there's like a connection there. And it's so different when you're outside of New York or you're outside of the States. Like in New York, we just have to hustle. We don't stop hustling. And people enjoy life in Europe. You know, they enjoy life in Italy and they slow down. And it's like just the food and the love and, and all of it and the wine. Um, so I think it would, it, would be, it would be Italy. Now, my favorite question, what is your drink of choice? And if you could choose one person to share it with, who would that be and why? Okay, currently, two drinks of choice. One, red wine. I actually, I love having a glass of Cabernet at the end of the day. Love my red wine. But also, I am very into, and it doesn't have a name, but it is like lavender, edelflower, pear, and vodka. And I don't know what the exact combination, three, I have three drinks of choice, that one. And then also I love key lime pie martinis. I have a sweet tooth if you can't tell. So if I were to share, let's just say a glass of red wine, a glass of Cabernet with anyone, I, oh, I, you know, I would give anything to have my grandparents back. I would go to my grandparents' house every Sunday. We'd go to my grandparents' house, sit at the kitchen table. Uh, my, you know, I come from a family of bakers, actually. And uh, as I got older, I just got quieter when I was with them, meaning they had so many stories to tell, and I really loved listening and have uh, and have one more conversation and have my little girls there. So. So, you know, my poppy never met my, my little ones and my nana only met G and she loved her. That was her girl. I would love for them to meet their, their great grandkids. Oh, that's very sweet. Beautiful. Before we go, what's the best way for our listeners to contact you to pitch their stories? So listen, Instagram is my jam at Joelle Gargiulo at J-O-E-L-L-E-G-A-R-G-U-I-L-O. I will tell you my email is a black hole. So it like, I feel like I, I like like pitches through social media. I, I, I welcome that. Love that. And I think that that's the way to kind of view the whole pitch process, right? You have to think about pitching almost like dating. So everybody has a different preference. Everybody has a different style. There's one thing you definitely do not want to do. You don't want to be that person to keep texting, right? Like when, you, when you're not hearing back from a date, you don't want to keep like, hello, how are you? Just da, 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 da. no. So it's the same thing with pitching. But, and again, it's always okay when you reach out to someone, say, if you have another preference for how I should reach out to you, please let me know. Remember, everybody is human. So you can always say, you know, I didn't have your email. I hope it's okay that I'm reaching out this way. If it's not, I'd be happy to send this anywhere you see fit. Great. Like, I think so often we get so caught up in the weeds. We're not just, we're, like, we're all humans, you know? Yes, true. 
Well, Joel, so happy to have you here. And we really appreciate taking the time to connect with us and also helping our community. So we love you so much. I love you guys right back. Thank you for having me. That was truly a dynamic conversation. Now that you know what Joelle is looking for, please feel free to reach out to her and introduce yourself. And don't forget to mention that you heard her on our Hospitality Forward podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Also, for all media guests to date, you can find their information and episodes in our agency's website, www.hanaleycommunications.com. See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.